you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. get into the word of the Lord and see what God wants to speak to us tonight. Amen. How many of you love the word of the Lord? I believe that tonight because you were here on a Wednesday night and I love teaching the word of God and uh, I've learned through the years that the strength of the church comes through Bible study, digging in the word of God, searching the word of God, searching the deep things of the Lord. That's how we grow in the Lord. Tonight I'm going to talk to you a little bit. We're going to take a scriptural reference out of 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And I want to talk to you tonight about the spirit of this age or the spirit of the age in which we live. We live in a day in which everything is questioned and everything is put to the test. And it's a different day in which we live. How many of you know that's true? It's a different day. I find myself talking to our young adults and young people. And, um, of course, I am old and antiquated in all of my ways. Um, And uh, I remind them of changes that I have seen uh, that seems like it was just a few uh, months ago. Uh, but 20 and 30 years ago and how fast things have changed. And not only have things changed in the world, uh, but how quickly that things have changed um, in even in the church. And things change so quickly. And it was so hard. It's so hard. I was talking to somebody the other day. It was very difficult for them to understand that I actually went to college at a time when nobody had cell phones. Nobody had iPads. Nobody had laptops. The only computers on campus was some old MS-DOS Computers that nobody really knew what they were for, but it was they were cool because they were a computer and they sat in the library. And nobody, even the instructors, didn't seem to even know how to use them. And so quickly, 30 years later, we live in a world where um, there is more technology in the cell phone that some of you are holding in your hand because we can't dare to set it down. There, there my wife is right there holding it in her hand. She's, got, she's in a love affair with that thing. She reads the Bible off of it. She takes notes off of it. Uh, we, we live with it. Society has changed. So as things change, so changes our attitude towards certain things. And we're going to talk about some of those things tonight, how that our attitude toward things shift. We're always in a hurry today, more than ever. One of my boys sent a text, a group text out to the whole family today. There's a state trooper working up in front of Burger King. Be careful. My next question, did you get pulled over? Their response was something like, no, but I know you will. 
We're all in a hurry, but we don't know where we're going. We're moving quickly. The world's changing quickly. Everything's happening so fast, so much more quickly. And through that, attitudes and spirits change, even toward God, toward the things of God, toward the church. Now, we're going to talk about this a little bit tonight. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse number 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. There is a big mouthful right there. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So we're going to talk about the spirit of this age. I'm not necessarily going to dig deep into this text tonight, but we're going to, we're going to weave in and out of it as we talk about the spirit that is so rampant in this age. It is a, it is a different, we deal, the youth of today deal with different things, although all sin can be packaged up and called into about three categories the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All sin, there's, there's, no, there's no new sin, but there are new challenges because the world is changing. And buckle your seatbelts, parents. This is no excuse. Young people are in here tonight, and I'm glad you are. I didn't know you were going to be here, but I'm going to talk about some things that are important to you tonight as well. 70% of the male population, 70% deal with pornography. 70%, that's high. It's a lot. And you know how much that number changes in the church. Statistics say there is no change in the Christian church from the average society. 70%. I hope we Holy Ghost filled, baptized in Jesus' name, saved and sanctified people are doing a little better than that. Why is it so prevalent today? Has it always been? Probably not. The reason is, is because in my wife's hand is two clicks or three maybe. One search away from any unimaginable thing possible. That didn't exist 30 years ago. So our children, our youth, our young adults, our young married couples, our elders, our seniors, are all challenged by new things, new technologies. And this changes the way we look at everything in the world if we're not careful. We stop looking at it in the light of God's Word and we begin to look at it with what is acceptable in society. I would guess if we rolled back and went many years ago and went back into uh, the 1930s and 40s, uh, I, I haven't done any recent research to, to see and find when the great incline of things such as abortion uh, really happened, but I would guess if we look back, even in some of our lifetimes that are in this room today, we would see the shift in the abortion rates in America and around the world as far as that goes would be drastically different. While the Bible is clear on the subject, Society has begun to make moral issues political issues. Things such as abortion is not a political issue. It is a moral, it is a sin issue. And we can't overlook this. And if we're not careful, we will catch ourselves getting on the wrong side of issues. This is the spirit of the age. 
it's the spirit that is manifest. Because this age we deal with, I mean, we're dealing with things such as genetic cloning. This is old news. We wonder why some of the things we're dealing with today, the coronavirus, and I'm not sure if Brother Brandon has or not, uh, the way he was coughing up here tonight. Not sure. I pulled through the a drive through to get something to drink, and I was on the phone, and I got to laughing as I was pulling up to the window, and I started coughing real bad, and I, I was trying to say something, and, and I said, hold on. I set my cell phone down, and oh, I was coughing when I pulled up, and I had my money in my hand. The lady rolls back the window. She's looking in there at me like, don't you hand that money in here to me. I told her, I said, I'm on my way to the doctor, but I think I'm all right. <laughs> she literally started looking around. I said, you're looking for a glove? I'm only kidding. And the reason that we, we deal with some of the things today, and we're like, well, where, where did all this come from? World travel today is so different. Fifty years ago, people didn't just jump on a plane and go eat lunch in London. It's just a whole different world. The world seemingly is becoming smaller as we are connecting via the internet, as we are, as travel is changing, as, as everything at our fingertips, we want it more quickly. And so as each of these things change, the medical field has changed and there's been so many progressions in which I thank God for and thank God for some of the things that are available to us today, yet we must be careful lest we put God out of the equation and we start trusting in men and modern medicine instead of trusting in God who is the healer, who is the giver of life. And so if we're not careful, we can lose, we can lose track of reality and the only way that we can find reality is we have to get back to truth. Popular doesn't make it truth. Common doesn't make it truth. Hollywood doesn't make it truth. The internet doesn't make it truth. Social media doesn't make it truth. So if we're not careful, we begin to look at things in different ways. This past week, I found myself dealing with a specific issue. And I'll be honest, that it was a situation that touched my heart. And I wanted to be careful about how I dealt with a specific situation. And it was refreshing to me to think about how society would have dealt with it. And yet I found myself saying, it doesn't matter, I'm not calling anybody, I'm not talking to anybody, I'm not looking to anybody else. There is one thing I'm doing, I'm going to go to the Word of God. And I want to know what the Bible says about this issue. I don't want to read what history says about it. I don't want to read what my friends think about it. I am going to the Word of God and I want to see it in the Word of God. I want to find it out of the Word of God. Now I'm not patting myself on the back, but we, Apostolic Church, must get back to the basis of recognizing that the Word of God is truth. And it doesn't bend to society, it doesn't bend to to, to culture, it is truth, it is absolute truth and we must stand on the word of God regardless what happens in society. Don't bend to the spirit of this age because the spirit of this age is trying to undo everything that past generations have worked to build up. The very fabric of our faith, the very fabric of Christianity is being put on trial. Things that 
your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents would have died, would have fought and been willing to die for, today has been scoffed at and made light of to the point that the laws of diminishing returns tells us that as we move forward, what one generation tolerates, the next generation accepts. We say, well, I don't like it, but there's not much I can do about it. The next generation will say, that's okay. And so we have to be careful lest we start seeing a decline in every generation. A decline of going back to the basics of the Word of God and saying, I want to know what the Word of God says about it. We're only in March and I'm already sick of all the political stuff. When it comes to issues, there's one place to find the answer to issues. It's here. I can't bend to money. I can't bend to popularity. Righteousness. This is what the Bible says. Righteousness. You know what that word means? Right living. Righteousness exalts a nation. But Sin, come on somebody, say it with me tonight. But sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. What's going to make this nation great? It isn't who's in the White House. What makes this nation great is righteousness. doesn't matter who's in the White House. We need to make a decision that we are going to live righteous. And if the church is not living righteous, then where is the world going to be? I was in a meeting last night with Brother and Sister Newcomer, and we were talking about our youth and young adults and the future and where we're going and what we're doing. And we were talking about our leadership and where we stand. And we understand that it, whatever bar that we set as the normal, those who follow us have a tendency to make that whatever the lowest level, the lowest bar that we set. Listen to me, parents, grandparents, listen to me. The lowest bar that we set, what we make absolutely, this is the lowest bar, often is the high bar for the next generation. So where would the church be in another 10, another 20, another 30 years? Where would the church be? The issue is, is the bar must not be based on our preferences. The bar needs to be based on what this word says. The bar needs to, we need to go back to the basics and say, it doesn't matter what I thought about it. I need to get and see what this word says about it. We've got to get back to the basics. Maybe, maybe we've even been wrong about some things that we need to get back to the basics on and say, hey, I'm willing to let the word of God speak correction to me. So the spirit of this age is trying to undo what previous generations have work to build up and in some ways while perhaps we're moving forward and the church is moving forward and I'm not just talking about our church but I'll include our church as we move forward we better be careful that we're not moving forward and looking progressive and losing something as we move forward I don't want to ever reach the point where we get away from prayer being at the core. The Word of God being at the core. I thank God for wonderful music. I thank God for these lights and, and, and this great sound system and all these musical instruments and talent, talent levels just going to the next level. Some of these young people look at me weird when I tell them I used to sing and I used to play drums and I can't even... I couldn't come close to playing with the band that we have up here playing. My, my, the talent levels are just increasing. As we move forward, I thank God for all these things.
But I don't want to start depending on talent and not depending on anointing. I don't want to get where I depend on great oratory and bringing in great preachers. And this is how you have a move of God. I'm going to tell you how we have a move of God. It's prayer, fasting, seeking God. You know how the church is going to grow? Being faithful. It really doesn't change much, you know. we got to get back and stay with the basics. And it seems like today so much is under attack. And this generation has lost respect for themselves, lost respect in so many different areas. When, when I was a child, blow these young people, when I was a child, the ministry, not just at church, but the ministry was reverenced at a level. I remember as a child going to town with my dad and he would walk into businesses and people would stop and want to come and shake his hand and, and they, they were respectful and they, they, they treated him like he, like he was respectable. Today, if you want to be questioned, walk in and tell somebody, hi, I'm... Pastor Jordan with Christian Life Church are kind of like, one of them, huh? I had a lady ask me one time, I was on a job with when I was working construction and I was on a job, had been on that job for some time and a lady came out one morning and I think Gentry was with me and she came out one morning and she was kind of coming out a little sassy, and she came around the corner to where I was, and she said, I've been doing my research, and I found out who you are. Why have you not told me that you're a preacher? Well, because I was afraid that if I told you I was a preacher, you might look at me odd. I'm not ashamed of being a Christian. The issue is, is the truth is, is when she did find out that I was a preacher, it was a complete game changer for her. She started making demands on me that she wouldn't have made if she hadn't have found those things out. Started taking advantage of the opportunities that, that she had because it's a different world in which we live. As a kid, most of us learned honor and respect. And I'm going to tell you, I, I want to commend our young people and I want to commend our young adults. I Last night, and I don't even think they're in here tonight, maybe they are, someone came in my office the other day and I said, I said to the young man, I, I want to thank you for coming and talking to me about the things that you're coming to talk to me about. I, I want to I thank you. I want to commend you. So many, I find out after the fact of what's going on in your life, thank you for coming and asking me my opinion before you make a decision. That goes a long way. That means a lot. That shows that somebody's been teaching some young adults to respect and, and, and to seek counsel. That's in the Word of God, by the way. There's much wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And to seek counsel, these are, these are positive things. I commend, our, I commend this church. I commend our, our young people and our young adults who are seeking counsel and don't want to just run amok in their own way and in their own wisdom, but want to slow down and get back to the basis. It's not just because I grew up in the South, but when I grew up, it was yes sir and yes ma'am to elders. And it certainly was to your mom and dad. And we live in a day today, it's yeah, and probably more no's than yeah. We were taught to respect. We respected parents. We respected our teachers. Those in, the, those in education, they, they live in a different world. My goodness, they have to have video cameras in their classrooms because they're afraid some accusation is going to come. <laughs> I'm on a social media group with my high school graduating class and Somebody came on the other day and said, Miss So-and-so had passed away. I remember her. She gave me the hardest paddling that I ever got while I was in school. 
I hadn't forgotten it. And so some others were commenting, and we were trying to be kind, but I know there was a little bit of, ah, <laughs> I remember her. She's gone. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> she wasn't so kind. She was a little rough on us. Teachers today, they, they're certainly not paddling. They can't even hardly correct. And consequently, this moves into every area of society. Policemen have to wear bulletproof vests today. When they're here to protect and to serve and people, I'm not saying they're all perfect. I'm not saying they all have it all right. I'm not saying there's some bad, bad police officers. I, uh, there's bad in everything. There may be a bad person or two in here. Maybe sitting on the front row on my left hand side. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm talking about you. There's bad in every area of society, so I'm not, I'm not denying that. But where has respect gone for those who are? We, we used to respect our military. We used to respect ministry. We used to respect elders. I'm going to talk about this a little bit, a bit tonight. Let's talk about honor. The spirit of this age said, says give honor to those who have earned it. By doing what pleases me. I will honor you if you do what I like. I'll honor you if you do, do it my way. If you see it my way, then I'll honor you. But the Bible teaches us to give honor because it is the right thing to do. In Romans, the Apostle Paul teaches us to give honor where honor is due. And so we may expand that further and ask, where is honor due? This teaching is not subjective to the judgment of man for a well-pleasing job that we, we like what you've done, so therefore I will honor. But rather, honor is designed, by, is designed by God to evaluate the submission and the attitude of those who are giving honor. Honor has a reward attached to it. I want you to get this. Honor has a reward attached to it. God will reward those who give honor because it is the right thing to do. I'm going to take you to three scriptures that all look very familiar and very similar. You ready? Exodus chapter 20, verse number 12. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. As soon as we get that, can we get that on the screen? Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. All right, young people, I want you to read it real loud with me. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land, because they may take you out if you don't. Which the Lord God giveth thee. There is a connection to longevity of life and honoring your father and your mother. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse number 16. Deuteronomy 5, verse number 16. Let's read, let's read what it says. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Read it with me now. Honor thy father and thy mother. Didn't it already say that? Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God commanded thee. Watch with me now. The first mention, the first mention I, I already read to you. Now it's saying once again it is supporting what has already been said. As the Lord thy God commanded thee that thy days may be, it says the same thing, prolonged, and that it may go well with thee. In other words, the lack of honoring 
of your father and your mother has a connection with things going well with you. In the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. It, it looks so similar to what we have already read. Ephesians, let's go to the New Testament. What does the New Testament say? We know what the Old Testament law says. We know what the Ten Commandments say. And, and we know what the law of Moses is saying. So now let's see what the New Testament says in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning with verse number 1. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 1. Let's see what it says about honor. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is, I'm not hearing these young people talk back to me here. I know y'all are louder than that because I hear you sometimes when I'm preaching. For this is right, verse number two. Wow. This isn't just Old Testament now, this is New Testament. Honor. Everybody say honor. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment. Has a promise attached to it. What's the promise that we've already heard? That your days may be long upon the earth, that it may go well with thee. As you live in the land in which the Lord God has given thee. So as you are here in this world, that's not talking about in the world to come. That's not talking about heavenly reward. That's talking about right here in the here and the now. There is a blessing in the here and the now in honoring your father and your mother. Because God says, if you will honor, I don't agree with them, honor them. I don't like it, honor them. When you do, there will be a blessing of the Lord that will come into your life and you will be blessed and things will go well with you because you honored your father and your mother. All right, let's go back to that text. Not done just yet. Which is the first commandment with promise. Verse number three. That it may be well with thee and... Thou mayest live long upon the earth. And I know that the Bible talks about honor. Now this is honoring your parents. I gave you three scriptures that say almost the exact same thing. Old Testament and New Testament that says that honoring comes with a blessing. Honoring comes with a promise from God. Let's see what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse number 17, let's see what it says about honor. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17. I, I'm sorry, back there, Sister Shauna, I should have given you these scriptures ahead of time. And uh, it's not your, her fault if she seems a little slow back there tonight. Uh, it's my fault because I didn't give her the scriptures tonight, but she's going to follow along. All right, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 17. Let's see what else it says about honor. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood, fear God, and specifically, specifically, honor all men. Don't, don't go around being dishonorable to people. Don't live your life dishonoring people. Be honorable. The rich, honor them. The poor, honor them. You want the blessings of God in your life? Learn how to honor. Learn how to honor. It's, it's, it's got reward attached to it for you when you learn how to honor others. So honor all men. Just, just, just do it. Just live. Learn. Learn how to just live a life where you honor people. When people do something well, I honor you. People are trying hard, give them honor. How do you honor? Give respect. Pay a compliment. Encourage them. You're doing a good job. Thank you for what you're doing. Honor them. Show respect to them. 
do something that tells them, give them an accolade for their proper actions. For honor, all men. So everybody should get honor. But specifically, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, concludes honor everybody, but specifically honor the king. Now why? Why do you suspect that the scripture would specifically tell us when it just said honor everybody, but specifically honor the king? Why do you think that the scripture would specifically mention the king when it just said, why didn't it just say, well, honor everybody and that's all that matters? Because God is concerned with how you deal with people who are in authority. Because, and the king here was a, anytime in scripture, the king was a political position. It was a political position. It was a position of decision. It may go in your favor or it may go against you. The order of the king, understand this. Understand this. Now we're in the, we're in the New Testament here. But let's go back to the Old Testament and think about the command of honoring the king. Brother Spencer preached Sunday night about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know how they ended in the fiery furnace? Because the king made a decree. Honor the king. Oh, I can't honor that. Honor the king. I don't like what they're doing. Honor the king. Well, aren't they, they're against what is right. How did Daniel end up in the lion's den? How did the people of God end up in all? Didn't say that every king is going to, going to be a blessing to the people of God. Some kings may bless you and some kings may curse you. The issue here with honor has nothing to do with the king as it does the position of the king that the Lord is saying, I am commanding you to honor the position of the king. Like it, like them, or not. Honor the king. The way you speak, the way you act, the way you address, honor the king. That's why when people in authority, political figures, whether they be in our community or in our state or in our nation, if we were ever blessed to have the President of the United States here, regardless what president it may be, they will not come here and leave being unrecognized. I may not agree with them politically. I may, I may not agree with them on issues because the word of God may say they're wrong on some issues. But the position of the king, the Lord didn't say honor the man. He said honor the king. Honor the position. Whether it's a national king, whether it's a state king, whether it's a local king, it's speaking of a position of high authority, of leadership. And so therefore we must be careful. And I can I can I can I speak free tonight? It's just us at home. We need to be careful. Because we're people of God. In our kingdom, the kingdom of God is not of this world. Be careful about getting caught up in political debates. Get, be careful about getting caught up. I believe you ought to exercise your right to vote. Yes, I'm not telling you any of these things. But we need to be careful about being divisive over issues because this world is not our home. This world is not my home. 
And so I want to be careful that I'm obedient and I honor the king. Let's move. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. We're talking about the spirit of this age. And I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to finish this tonight. I've got, I could go for quite a while. I've got several pages of notes. We'll go as far as we can and we'll come back and pick up maybe next Wednesday or whenever. I think it's next Wednesday. I think I'm speaking next Wednesday. Uh, we'll come back next Wednesday and, and, and carry on. 1 Timothy chapter 5 talks about how we are to handle honoring elders, and it specifically talks about elders and widows. And so let's let's read 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 1. Read this out loud with me now. Rebuke. Uh-oh. Well, I tell you what I told that old guy. Be careful. Rebuke not an elder. Well, they're dumb. Well, they're senile. Well, they're way out of touch. Rebuke not an elder. Because honoring has the hand of God involved in it. The blessing of God is attached to it. So when somebody qualifies as your elder, be careful about rebuking. Just be silent. Be careful. What does that word rebuke mean? It means to correct them in an open and public way. To rebuke. Rebuke not an elder. But what do we do? Entreat him. Come on, wake up your neighbor. Read it out loud with me now. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. Love on him. Sit down with him. Be kind to him. Don't rebuke an elder. Entreat him as a father. And the younger men as brethren may not agree on everything, may not see eye to eye on everything, but we be brethren. I could talk about this for a while. Don't rebuke the elder. And treat all the men like brethren. We may discuss issues. We may talk about issues. I may even have to give a rebuke to a peer, but I'm not going to rebuke an elder. But even if I do, I'm going to treat that person that I have to give the rebuke to as my brother. Not as an outcast. Not as a heathen. The younger men as brethren. Even, that means even if I am speaking rebuke to you, Dalton, I got to treat you like a brother. Got to treat you like a brother. Because the word of the Lord tells me that I got to treat, I've got to honor. I've got to honor. Let's go to the next verse. Uh Uh-oh. The elder women as mothers. How you, how you treat your mama? Listen, young ladies. When you start talking to a young boy, texting, thinking about a relationship, find out how he treats his mama. Because if he don't respect his mama, he's not going to respect you. Well, I should have got a stronger that's right from out there. The elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters, with all purity. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Let's go to the next, let's go to the next verse. Uh-oh. Honor the widows that are widows indeed. This is talking about those who are really widows. Here's the difference. Here's the difference. You can go and study this into the original, and here's what you're going to find. This isn't those who are claiming that they need help 
claiming poverty. Claiming to be widows. It's talking about those who could help themselves. But those who were widows indeed, those who really qualify, honor them. We've got some good men in this church. If you're a widow in this church, don't go park your car on a rainy day. Pull that thing right up out here. We've got some good men that will go park your car for you because this church honors. We honor because the Bible says to honor the widows that are widows indeed. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 I won't be much longer. We'll change subjects. On honoring the elders, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of honor the king. But the elders that rule well Count them worthy of double honor, especially, I ain't hearing nobody read with me. Especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. Count them worthy of double honor. Honor all men, but those elders who rule well, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine, Count them worthy of double. doesn't matter what, the, what, what society says how you ought to treat them. Our elders ought to be, our elders in the word particularly, ought to be counted worthy of double honor. Let me move on. I'm taking a lot of time here tonight. The spirit of this age sees themselves at the center of their own universe. The world revolves around me. It is the I generation. It is the I generation. It's me, 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 me. I, 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 I. The spirit of this age sees themselves at the center of their own universe. And they think and perhaps even feel that Everything revolves around them. Their wants, their desires, their way. And so here's what this breeds. This is what this brings into the church. And this is what we've got to fight against. This is what we've got to be careful about. The idea that God wants me to be happy all the time. There's some verses that I could quote that tells you God wants you to be blessed and God wants things to go in your favor. But God also wants you to deny your flesh and take up your cross and follow Him. See, we, I'd get more amens if I said, He didn't come to take your life, but He came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Woo, let's make two laps. Because God is wanting to bless you. I know the thoughts I think toward you, saith the God, saith God. Not thoughts of evil to do harm to you, but to bless you and to give you an expected end. Oh boy, that makes us feel good. But what about when the scripture said, if any man Love this world, the love of the Father is not in him. What about the denial of the flesh? What about the crucifixion of the flesh? What about verses like, if you love me, keep my commandments? What about some of these that don't always make us feel good? What, what about some of these that don't always make us happy? Let me explain to you very, very quickly tonight. This Bible does not give me a scenario 
where God's greatest concern toward humanity is to make you happy, to make you successful, and to make you winners. But this word is concerned about the salvation of your soul and whatever it takes for you to be saved and the denying of the flesh. Not living life where it's all about me. This is what the spirit of this generation puts us at the center of the universe instead of putting God at the center of the universe. We're the center of conversation instead of God being the center of conversation. It's what I like. It's what I want. It's what makes me feel good. It's how I can be blessed. And the spirit of this age has crept into the church. When my wife and I were in Greece, we met a lady. I prayed for her. A missionary came, introduced me to her, told me her story. Can't recall her name. I just remember her story. My wife can give you her name. She passed away a little while ago. She got on a bicycle and left India and rode a bicycle from India to Greece because it was the only way she could get there because she wanted to compete in the Olympics that were in Athens. She was so desperate along her journey in poverty, fighting elements, no money, weeks and months of travel. She dealt with all sorts of struggles and difficulty, yet she never gave up. And somewhere along the way, she met somebody that took her to their little apostolic church. And she first heard the message of Jesus' name baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And she was baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost and God changed her life and she became one of the great soul winners that has affected that entire region. Another missions trip my wife and I took. We were in El Salvador. And we went as far as we could go in a vehicle. We were blessed. We were riding in the missionary's vehicle. Brand new vehicle. She's for Christ. Money had bought it. I was blessed while I was there. I was the first person to ever drive the vehicle. They let me put the key in, start it, and drive it off the lot. And I was humbled to do so. I was there, handed the dealership the check that She's for Christ money had purchased a vehicle for that missionary. The missionary loaded his family, my wife and I and some other helpers. That little SUV was just packed full. It was a Montero. It was packed full. and We started traveling. We were following another vehicle that was on its way to church. It wasn't the nice Montero. It was something that you would see didn't even look like anything that I recognized, some jeepish kind of vehicle. Must have had 50 people standing up, shoulder to shoulder. Couldn't put another person. They're standing on the bumpers and hanging on, holding on literally. Any spot that they could get a toe to grip, they're holding on to that vehicle through these back roads and through rivers and streams and till we went as far as we could possibly go. And these barefooted people jumped off of the vehicle and they're not pouting about it. They're not, they're happy about it. They're wanting to, they're excited about it. And we got there and we're looking at a big river we had to cross and all that was there was a rope bridge. And my wife said, I ain't crossing that thing. And they said, it's the only way to get to the church. We walked across that rope bridge me coaching my wife all the way across that bridge. We got across, got to the other side. 
And we had about a mile to walk up a dirty road. And here we are, dressed nice. The, the, the missionary had already warned us, no suits, no ties, nobody there. They would fill out a place. Just So here we are walking up dusty roads. And we get there. And they didn't have all the instruments that we have here. We have one little guitar, and it had one string on it. The pastor really didn't know how to play a guitar, but he could make some noise with it. And he'd put his hand on it, and he'd thumb that, that thing and just slide his finger up and down it, and he'd take off singing. And after church, they walked in the dark, back down, back across. That was those with us. Others came from literally the bush, came from nowhere, just out of nowhere to get to church. But the spirit of this age, we complain because the temperature is not right. We complain, we complain because they don't sing our style of music. We complain because the preacher preached too long or didn't preach long enough or didn't preach the subject we like. Because my little Johnny or my little sissy didn't get the part in the Christmas program. This is the spirit of our age. I, me, mine. But serving God has never been about me getting everything that I want. And me getting it the way that I want it. And it's not about God supplying all of your needs. Yet His Word declares He would supply all that we need, all of our need. He will supply. We've got Bible for it. He will. But we have maximized the blessing doctrine and the what's in it for me doctrine and how wonderful it is. But where have we gone to the point of where we feel like the church is about me and every service is about what I like and everything that happens is about what's in it for me. It's the spirit of this age and it's real. Church isn't about my preference. And when this mentality creeps in, my worship starts being because I love the music on that song. My worship starts being because I love that genre of music. It moves me to the soul and my response to the preaching becomes I like that subject. That thrills me. That makes me feel good. I don't want to hear messages about the blood. I don't want to hear messages about the cross. I don't want to hear messages about self-denial. But I come tonight to tell you those messages is what's going to get us saved for the preaching of the cross or to those that perish foolishness. But to we which are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It may sound gory. It may sound gruesome but it's what's going to save us. It's what's going to get us out of here. It's what's going to get us to heaven. Oh, stand with me tonight. Put your hands in the air and ask God to help us as a people. Help us as a church, oh God. To not get the big me mentality. God, help us to grow as you would have us to be. Help us, Lord, to put you at the center. Let us be a Christ-centered church. Let us be a doctrine-focused church. Let us be a true apostolic church. Let us be what you would have us to be. Let us walk in your truth, O God. Let us walk in all humility. Let us walk honoring those and honoring your word and honoring the church and honoring the people of God. Strengthen us, O Lord. Let us grow in you. Let us be what you called us to be. Help us, O God, to walk in your way, not our own way, not in man's wisdom, but let us walk in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Be with us, O God. Strengthen us. Lord, help us to be what you're calling us to be. 
And we thank you. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. One more time, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight? He's worthy. Come on, lift up your voice. Let's just praise the Lord here for a moment. His presence is in the room with us tonight. Let's just praise him here for a moment. God, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God bless you tonight. Thank you so much for being here. We will look forward to seeing you Sunday morning. Bring somebody with you to the house of the Lord. God bless you.